Hi, and welcome to another episode of Katom's Kiteboarding Tips. No longer. Hey, no longer Tom's Kiteboarding Tips. Obviously, there is a new addition to the to the Tom's Kiteboarding Tips team, which is Katie, because after the last year, Katie has gone through quite an adventure, and she is now uh, teaching officially, done her British Kite Surfing Association, sorry, British Kite Sports um, Association um, instructor course, and is now a full-time instructor for Big Blue, our sponsors. If it wasn't for Big Blue, we wouldn't be here, so thank you, Big Blue. Um, and yeah, today we just want to have a chat about the beginner's kiteboarding experience, like what's it like, or some really good tips, just to help people who are thinking about coming to TCI, or if you're already coming to TCI, we just want to drop some really good tips and give you some really useful info that will really help you have a better experience and also make the decision if you want to come. Spoiler alert, it'd be crazy for you not to come. Everyone should come to Turks and Caicos, but enough about that one second. We've just got to talk about the elephant in the room, which is um, that it's Katom's kiteboarding tips because Katie is now on the crew, which is super exciting. So um, thank you, Katie. Thank you, lovely to be here. So the first off, we're just going to dive straight in. And the first thing I wanted to talk about with Katie to share with you, if you're thinking about coming to Turks and Caicos to learn kiteboarding, um, why Turks and Caicos? Katie, what, um, what could you offer? Why should people come to Turks and Caicos to have their lessons? Mm, well, considering I started in the UK... And then uh, when I came here, my progression was way, way quicker and smoother. I think a lot of that has to do with the conditions. So we've got super shallow water here, which is a nice onshore wind. So when I came in March, for the next few months, probably six months worth, I was kiting pretty much every day. So really nice conditions. Uh, it's beautiful as well. You've got turquoise waters, which always helps with the the feeling of get up and go in the morning. Yeah. And yeah, we've got some great instructors here as well. Not only Tom, we've got me now on the team. We've got Dina, we've got Caleb, two local guys that have also been trained up. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a great team. The For me personally, the, the reason why I came to TCI in the first place was I asked the question, where is the best place on earth to teach kiteboarding? Um, and that led me to uh, do lots of research and talk to lots of people and it was the shallow water. I think that is the biggest um, the biggest draw to here. We have how many how much space do we have Katie? Oh it's vast as well that's the nice thing it's you don't have a hundred kites in your face all day You've, you know you might have the odd person ride past every now and then you know it's really nice and spaced out it's so teaching. good like the, the space is amazing mm. like so as you'll probably we'll dive into this a little bit later but Turks and Caicos is a really mm. expensive island like you can mm. do it on the cheap definitely but the good thing about it being an expensive island is it's not busy it's not a tarifa mm. it's not a Cape Town it's not you know there's parts of Greece and you've got 200 kites up 300 even 400 kites up in Cape Town more um, so, uh, so yeah, it's definitely not that. On a really busy day in Turks and Caicos, 50 to 80 kites, I think, maybe once I've counted about 90 kites. 
but bear in mind the spot is mm. massive like in reality there's probably about 10 square miles 20 square miles of shallow water that you can stand up in at low tide now as a beginner that probably doesn't mean too much to you but as an instructor um, teaching trying to do a quality lesson um, I wrote my book, um, Learn Kiteboarding Faster, Learn Kite Surfing Faster, um, and that's <laughs> a quick plug, and that's available at <laughs> Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Katie holding a copy right now. Um, but from writing that book, it was clear to me that the, the secret of really getting a good progression to truly learn kiteboarding faster, it's to get the right conditions. And Turks mm. and Caicos has the best conditions. So when you learn in deep water, yeah, it's cool, you can have great lessons in deep water if the school is set up for it, if you've got rescue crafts, um, but if you haven't, if you're not being taught from a boat, you get blown downwind. So meaning you travel with the wind. So a lot of the lesson is spent walking back upwind. And what that means is when you're learning, you're doing body surfing, you're getting pulled by the kite. Also, when you're up on the board riding, you're, you're never going to come back to where you started when you're learning. So you end up spending half the session using energy to walk back into the wind. And that kind of messes with your flow. So Turks and Caicos having shallow water, it means you can always stand up. Now, that's got so many other benefits. Like I've taught people who can't even swim. And like I would never mm -hmm. take people kiting anywhere else in the world that can't even swim but because you can stand up anywhere, so you can, it's just not scary. You don't have to uh, to walk back. We have jet skis, wave runners, so we take you out literally a couple of uh, miles out to sea. And then you'll always end up back where we started, which is at the kite school. And then it's quite amazing, Katie, you must have noticed this, when you're, we tell our students, people walk up on the beach and they're like, hey, this is kiteboarding, tell us about it. And we say to them, you can walk to the horizon. And they kind of look at it and go, wow, really? And they don't appreciate it mm -hmm. until we get them on that jet ski, drive to the horizon, and then they get off the jet ski and they're like, oh my God, I can still stand right. up. And it's really like, yeah, that's how cool it is. It, it really is magnificent. And all the places I've taught in around the world, the kite schools kind of fight over the shallow water section and also the shallow water section is the flat water mm -hmm. section. So that's where all the really advanced guys want to be because they want to do tricks and it's so much easier out of choppy water. So, and also it's always near the car park. So it's just like people everywhere. Like just before you do your board start, you're like, oh, someone's in our way. Or, oh, watch out, we're really close to the beach. We need to walk back a little bit. So in Turks and Caicos, there is none of that whatsoever. Katie's not had the pleasure of teaching in other locations yet and mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think you need to like there's really not it's like see these grey hairs here that's every time a student has ridden further away than I wanted to I'm like stop now of course we have headset um, Bluetooth headsets uh, when we get to that level but um, yeah it's it's definitely having shallow water and space I think is probably the most wonderful part of the conditions but that's just one aspect of it. So the wind is also the most important part of kiteboarding. And with 
Turks and Caicos, we have really amazing wind. It's not nuking wind like places in Greece or Cape Town um, or even the UK. It's kind of like 15 to 20 knots, so and sometimes less, sometimes like 10 knots, 12 knots. But that's actually quite nice as a learner because you're not, it's not scary. You're not being pulled around. You're not, you've not got a tiny kite that's buzzing. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice experience, generally with big kites, which I love teaching on because they're slow and they're progressive, predictable. Um, teaching in Cape Town sometimes in 30, 40 knots even, we just had to use super small kites and they're quite nervous and twitchy. So it's really, really nice not, not to have that. But also, if imagine you're coming for a kite. I want to learn kiteboarding, so I'm going to go somewhere to learn kiteboarding. Imagine if you go there, and throughout the whole week, and you've spent thousands of dollars, pounds, euros on going to that location. Imagine if for six of days, there's no wind. And sometimes, you can go on a kiteboarding trip, and there's you're unlucky, and there's no wind for your entire trip. Now, Turks and Caicos isn't guaranteed wind, but... I, th I think five days out of seven, four days out of seven at worst, you might be really unlucky and get three days, but then you might be super lucky, which most people are, and get to kite every single day. So I think for me, that shallow water, consistent weather, um, nice water temperatures, we'll get onto that in a minute, having loads of space, and also having that jet ski support. That's why I came here to teach um, what, what about you, Katie? What have you in, enjoyed or what, um, what do you think about the location? Mm, I think the other thing to add is the calmness of the water as well, especially at low yes. tide, because when I learned in the UK, I remember it being so waves. choppy and wavy, so it yeah. just made everything a bit more unpleasant when you, you feel like you're being dunked under the water quite a lot, whereas here yes. it was a lot easier to kind of to do it with a bit more grace. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I can remember yeah. in Canberra teaching you and hundreds of other students and when you get up on the board and Canberra's actually a great place to learn but and you do get used to it but as soon as a student stands up and they're like I've got this then bang a wave has smacked them <laughs> off and it's like they're like what did I do wrong and you're like well nothing there's just a wave hit you so yeah definitely definitely good um when to come so I've just got to recap that whole section so it really is like my oldest student, 87, youngest, six. Um, it is the spot to learn. The, and of course, as Katie said, it's beautiful, mm. crystal clear, sandy bottom water um, for miles, endless. There's no rocks, there's no dangers. Mm. Like the dangers on the beach, of course, trees, um, hotels, buildings. But once you're away from that, and that's why we have jet skis to, to drop us out literally in the middle of nowhere, it's just paradise. And that means we can teach pretty much anyone. I mean, you don't have to be athletic. You don't definitely don't have to be sporty. Think of it as more like sailing, I think, rather than wakeboarding or um, uh, kind of anything else a bit more extreme. Would you mm. agree with right. that? It's, it's, it's like nothing else in the sense <clears throat> that you're flying a kite. And if you, unless you've done that, or even if you've done that as a child, it's just a whole new concept, right? So the kite control is that first thing to get your head around. And then I find the board, you know, it's just tweaks. You know, once you're up on the board, isn't it really? Whereas yeah. you've got that 
kite control, everything's a bit easier. So. And here's a good one. Do you need to be strong to kite surf, Katie? No, that does seem to be a myth, doesn't it, where people come along thinking, oh, you need to have loads of arm strength and it's all in your biceps, and it's not because you've got that... The, the pull is on the harness so you can really lean back into it and um, yeah and, and it can just be fingertips on the bar and actually it's, it's better that way because you're less likely to cling on to that bar when you crash which obviously gives you more power when you pull that bar in and then it's a, a harder crash so yeah teaching sure. big guys usually big guys with a bit muscle and they're like gripping it really hard or big women and uh, or strong women, <laughs> yeah. It, like I tend to find that uh, stronger guys are more difficult to teach because they think they've got to have a lot of muscle. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm gonna um, say generalize. You'll probably hate me for this, but um, women tend to to not have to use the strength and listen to instructions a bit better of using fingertips. So I, I find that um, that that's Katie's shaking her head now. <laughs> I'm really disappointed with me say that. I think it. I think it's uh, it's hard to generalise, right? I think everybody learns differently. I think, yeah, men or women, children or adults or older people. I think it, it, it until someone gets out there on the water and holding that bar, you, you don't. They don't even know how they're gonna. Yeah. React. They might think I'm gonna do it super carefully and gently, and then they're kind of gripping on because actually they're scared and they're more nervous versus yeah. it, thinking they need strength, sort of thing. Or, or so it's it's. Yeah. Either or, like it's it's great. It's just the location is super super amazing. So uh, so you, I I can put mm-hmm. myself out there in all of my years, twenty years of kiting. I don't think I've found or even know of a better place to learn. And there's plenty of places with shallow water, but they just don't have that consistent wind, or they're really busy. And and I think that makes a huge difference. So. When to come? What What do you think, Katie? When? To, I mean, you've almost done a year. Mm-hmm. Um, when's been your favourite time? Well, I remember when I got here in March, it felt like those first six months were just kiting every day, and that was when my progression got really, really good. And then so August, September, it died off. We left Ireland and we for September. Yeah. And then November, December, I've been... I don't know if this is the same every year, but... I, I think it's similar, right, where it's been a lot less wind or lower lower winds. And um, so now we're sort of waiting to see it pick up more and more January, February. And then, yeah, we'll get, get really nice and consistent again with those kind of 18, 20 knots like we had in from March. So Yeah, yeah. so good, good time to come. Like, that's your experience. Mm-hmm. So generally, the most schools open from November. And November and December can be good. This year, it's been a bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we tend to get, like, four or five days of wind. And we've had some great winds, but we've also had some lots of no wind days. Mm-hmm. I still think you're likely to expect four or five out of seven wind days. Um, our friends, Matt and Gemma, came recently. They were foiling as well as kiting, and they got out almost every day for three weeks. And that was in December. So December is still a good time to come. Um, I think my favourite time, I know it does get better from January, February and March. Uh, my favourite time, kind of April, May, June, July, seem mm-hmm. to be the, the most consistent months that I've known since I've been here uh, in the last four years now. It's my fourth year. And it's been really, really um, good in the summer. Um, it's hotter in the summer. 
and people kind of don't associate the Caribbean and for the record we're not in the Caribbean we are in the uh, Atlantic so the water is a bit cooler we'll get onto that in a moment but um, yeah we definitely um, have a hotter con like if, for me I'm not a big fan of super hot conditions and it is hot but we've got that wonderful trade wind like it blows super reliably and that's what keeps us all cool so I think mm. the my favorite times is uh, is yeah kind of like spring to, yeah. to end of summer I think is re really really good um, so I would say yeah like come from November December uh, but expect you could have a little bit of disappointment um, if you can come last minute on a forecast even better mm -hmm. but I think yeah it definitely gets more consistent from um, February March April and also um, the whale season mm, so like um, say, yeah. it's just a super amazing time to be in Turks and Caicos we all get excited about the whales because they literally come past they literally bump into the Turks mm. and Caicos and they're um, humpback whales um, Big Blue do lots of charters where you can uh, you can get on a boat and go and see them and if you're really lucky um, and if um, the conditions are right if the whales are in the right mood um, then we can actually get in and, and swim with them. Mm -hmm. There's no kite surfing near them because it's on the North Shore, so and you wouldn't want to do that anyway. But um, yeah, if, it, if there's no wind or just a massive added bonus to your trip, like getting out in a boat and seeing massive humpback whales really is special. Kate is uh, really excited to see that. All my family are coming in February because I know they're going to love it. It's just, uh, I remember when I first got here and Philip, um, the owner of Big Blue, or one of the owners, he was saying how magical swimming with the whales is. And I was like, nah, kiteboarding's <laughs> awesome. Like a really good day kiteboarding. It's like the best thing you can Nothing do in the world. And then so I was with uh, one of our boat captains, Lee, who put me in front of a couple of uh, humpbacks and they swum within touching distance. And I think it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely an amazing thing to do. So, yeah, um, but for consistent wind, if you want to get here spring, summer, then, like, in my experience, historically, um, summertime, we can get, like, a whole month where there's not even a down day. It's just, like, wind every single day. Um, anything to add to that, Katie? Anything you can think of? Or should we dive right in to yeah, how quickly? So... Just to go back, why TCI, obviously, the best conditions, the wind is so important, and then the best months to come, kind of like spring, summer. But how quickly will I learn, Katie? Like, in your experience, so people, a lot of people come to us on the beach, say, so mm. how long does this take to learn? What, what do you think? What do you say to those people? Mm, I say, well, we're so lucky here, unlike other places that maybe have to wait a few days or, you know, a longer time before you even get in the water or on the board, we can, because of the conditions, we can just head pretty much straight out into the water on your first lesson after a quick beach safety briefing and get that kite control down. And within that first lesson, that first two hour lesson, we really like to try and get people up on the board. So depending on other people's backgrounds, so if they've done board sports before, or a bit of snowboarding or weight surfing, weightboarding, um, they might have that edging down already on the board, then those people can tend to progress a little quicker and be up and riding, you know, in that first session, which is remarkable. 
Um, and then the next few sessions after that, we kind of focus on longer riding and then getting them upwind and then maybe doing some transitions. So you really can progress quickly. Uh, if it takes a little longer to get that kite control down, then that's no problem. You know, it's people practicing it and um, and then going from there, really building it up. Yeah, and most places around the world, it's a, the beginner course is a two-day course. Day one is kite, day two, and usually towards mm. the end of day two, you can get on a board. Body dragging sometimes. Because you spend so cake. much time body dragging. Mm-hmm. And in Turks and Caicos, we, we don't spend much time body dragging. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we do, everyone learns to body drag, um, but it's just not so important because you can stand up and get your board. So that does change the, the teaching a little bit because then we can get people's kite control down and literally in, a, in an hour, hour and a half, people's kite control generally is good enough. Um, and this is what makes it good value, in my opinion. Like, it's not cheap to, to get lessons in Turks and Caicos. Like, it's $350 for a two-hour lesson. But in, the, in those two hours um, for a private lesson, it's, it's better value if you do it as a group. But, um, and that sounds like a load of money, and it is. But at the end of the lesson, you will generally have got up on a board and experienced what it's like to, to ride and got some really good, solid kite, kite skills. Um, but uh, yeah, it is, it is, I think most of the time I say to people 10 to 20 hours um, to really get the sport, to be fully independent um, anywhere else in the world. Yeah, people tend to have, like it's different in different locations, it really is. Um, it can take some people years to, to mm. get going because they only learn once or twice a year. Um, you can come here. I think if people have, it depends on their level, as you say. Like if they're wakeboarders, skiers, if they're really, if they've watched some YouTube mm. videos. Quick learners. Yeah, well. some people I are really quick learners. Kids, kids like, oh my God. Like we've, Straight on it. We've got people riding, properly riding within yeah. one lesson, haven't we? Yeah. And even two lessons. But... That's riding. That's not necessarily independent kiteboarder. Like an independent yeah. kiteboarder needs to know what to do in every situation, so you don't hurt yourself, you don't hurt anyone else. So that's really important that you learn, like launching, landing, self rescue, self landing. Like they're super important. And then of course, like riding, staying upwind, which is again like super important. Otherwise, you're doing the walk of shame um, every time, which is not much fun for anyone. But yeah, I think. Um, I would budget if you're coming here. We do a six-hour pack. That's good, but I think eight-hour pack, ten-hour pack. If you really want to nail it, then I think you've got to come here for a week and you've got to do a, a couple of hours uh, lesson. Interesting to talk quickly about lesson times. So a lot of places around the world, the lesson you learn in a bigger group and you have like four or five hours uh, in the water and you're sharing a kite and I think that's good but a lot of the time um, private lessons like two hours like I've experimented with doing lessons for an hour and a half and I've experimented with doing lessons for like three hours two hours seems to be the optimum not physically but mentally to be up because at the beginning you're you're not you're thinking about everything so two hours a day I think is is really 
the, the perfect amount. Mm. So, or even then with a break and then go back out in the afternoon. Because it yeah. tends to be the end of those two hours, people start making those small mistakes, which then big cost, mistakes. Well, yeah, well, small well, mistakes like, that ah. cost them a, a big uh, crash or something, you know. So it's. And let's just talk about a big crash. Well, yeah. Okay. Like, what is a big crash? <laughs> like, crashing the just, kite. Yeah. That's kind of like, it, it's, it's a good thing to talk about actually as a learner. Like, when you crash in kiteboarding, it's not that bad. Mm, mm. It's, it's not like skiing crashes. Right. It's not like mountain bike crashes. Like, the worst, like, okay, you, like, uh, extreme, you might fall off a board and twist your ankle or something like that. That has been known to happen. In fact, I think that's the only um, injury that I know that's ever happened in any other, in any school. It's, um, and it's usually from shallow water, like too shallow. Um, but that can happen, which is actually not a bad thing. When you look at all the other sports, what can go wrong in mm. those? You know, serious things like skiing, broken legs, broken arms, yeah. like yeah. like head injuries, like all sorts of horrible stuff. So learning to kite, you know, salty eyes is one I mm. get a lot. People fall in and they're like, ah, my eyes are stinging. <laughs> I've actually bought some goggles um, for this, which I'm really excited to yeah. share with my students that arrive with Paul Decker, who's coming. Hey, Paul, Yay, if you're listening. Thanks, Paul. But yeah, thanks for bringing <laughs> uh, some, some cool teaching aids. It's hard to buy things here. Yeah, yeah there's not much <laughs> on the island to, to choose from. But yeah, so that's exciting. Um, and then what else? Like cra- crashes um, from kiting. It's actually quite pleasurable, I think, isn't it? It's not, it's not a bad crash. You're kind of like, right. you've got a parachute above you. It's one of those things where the thought of it is often worse than actually crashing. Like yeah. when I'm, Tom's teaching me now, kite loops, kite loop jumps, and at first I was super nervous to try it because it, the thought of going through that crash process again, where I was, now I'm not crashing, um, it's, uh, it was daunting, but actually you remember, oh, it's not so bad. It's Keep the kite in the air, water. you just get a face full of water, and then yeah. up you get again, and, and you're fine. Yeah, there's no excuse here, because you just stand up, and like when you're in deeper water, it can be a bit panicky, like, oh, I've crashed, and now I'm like still being pulled by the kites and mm. stuff, so here you just stand up, wipe your eyes, um, your instructor usually have a little laugh with you, and then you realise yeah. it's not so bad, yeah. um, and the big one, let go. So what you'll learn on your first lesson is that letting go is like everything stops in kiteboarding. It's, it's not very, um, how would I say, counterintuitive because you don't want to give up control. But the first, like our safety brief on the beach for all learners, we just do some basic um, hand signals, show you how the bar works, the chicken loop, which is what attaches you to the kite. And then you soon learn letting go, the kite just drops out of the water, it drops out of the sky into the water and everything stops. And then if there's an emergency, we have a full emergency release so you can get rid of the kite in seconds. So a lot of people worry that they'll get blown away. Like it's like, oh, the wind will pick up and I'll get Mm. dragged off. And you soon learn, I think within five minutes, that's never gonna happen. So that definitely puts a lot of people's um, uh, expectations mm. or nerves at risk mm. at rest wrist <laughs> um, so yeah moving on um, what's so what to summarize how quickly will we learn I think three to five lessons so, so that's probably here mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's six to ten hours agree mm, yeah, yeah yeah to getting upwind to being uh, independent safety, yeah being able to launch and land yeah perfect um, so how much will it cost? 350? 
for a private lesson and then semi-private lessons, it comes down in price. So I would recommend you only do a semi-private lesson for your first lesson. And actually, I think it's a really good way to learn because you learn from other people's mistakes. It's a bit cheaper. So it's uh, 250 per person for two hours. Um, and then for three people, and the maximum you want to go on is three people to one instructor. It's in two hours. Uh, it's good because the instructor's explaining the basics to you and everyone needs to hear them. And it takes a good half an hour, 45 minutes. And then even on the lesson, like going through the kite, it's better to, to have private lessons after you've had your, your semi-private lesson. Um, and then I think it's, yeah, $200 per person. So it's about 100 bucks an hour for a group lesson. And that's a great way. Um, it sounds a load of money anywhere else in the world, but it, Turks and Caicos, you do get great value. Like there's very few places on earth that I know of that will kind of get you up and riding your first ride in a couple of hours. That really is un, unheard of. So um, so that's, that's the main value. Um, what's a lesson like, Katie? Talk us through it. Like, give us a, a... What is a lesson like? So, yeah, so as mentioned earlier, first of all, and like you just said now, we'll, we'll go through a bit of safety on the beach, but also how you actually set up your kite, first of all, so that gets ingrained. You know, so we, we, we want to set you up so that eventually you do become an independent kiter and you no longer need us. So straight away, it's getting you hands-on, running out your lines, connecting them to your kite, getting your kite pumped up as well. And then we just like to launch it for you and head on out there into that gorgeous turquoise water. So we get your lift out on the jet ski, get you far out from shore, away from any obstacles. And then we come out and meet you there with the kite and little demos throughout the whole lesson. And that then visually you can see it. We talk you through it and then you get to actually try it yourself. So holding the kite, trying to keep it at 12, keeping it on a different part of the wind window, getting that kite control. And then we'll go through body dragging as well, a little bit of that. And after we can see those skills of progress, then we can get hold of the board and give you some demos on that, how to put it on, how to do your first water starts. So that's the reason we like to show you that power dive as well, which is uh, part of the body drag demo uh, because that's what's actually going to get you up on the board how you stand up on it um, and then yeah go from there see see how quickly you progress in those areas and we tailor the lesson to you basically so if you progress quicker we go grab the board sooner and you get more time practicing those board starts on that first lesson is it fun Katie yeah <laughs> yeah we want to keep it as fun as possible you know it's, it's hands-on and really getting you involved in it Cool. Yeah. So the lesson is fun. Like I've had so many people who've fallen in love with body dragging, body <laughs> surfing, because you don't have to walk backwards. Um, so therefore you can just surf and surf and surf and like use this kite and it really helps you to get the, the kite control, but it's fun at the mm. same time. It's not like, so oh, this is so boring. Like the kite control bit is fun. Like the best bit for me is when people realise how much yeah. power's there. Right. And they're like, oh my it's God. It's dragging me. But no, then when they realise, yeah, <laughs> they have control of the yeah. power. Then it's like, and then also if it, they get scared, they can just let go. Mm. And I've taught some really unlikely people over the years who would like not really thought they could do it. They're like, 
don't do any sports similar, like just like, oh, I'll do it just because I'm here. And then all of a sudden they're like, Love I can it. actually do this. <laughs> yeah. I can, this is like a new, uh, um, how should we say, obsession for mm. us all. Like it's super addictive, isn't it, Katie? <laughs> it's super <laughs> addictive. Yes. So yeah, we all do definitely fall in love with it and get addicted to the wind. Just the feeling, I think, of being out there. Mm. Um, those first long runs when you get it as a student, yeah. it's like, wow, I'm in control. And yeah. I mean, I love it as a teacher because it reminds me of the first time I did it. And mm. I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. You fall back in love with it every time, right? You see people's eyes light up when they feel that adrenaline for the first time. Yeah. And I love teaching kids as well for that reason, like seeing they express it so openly, which is great. I don't know, you know, see, oh, and adults, yeah, it. for sure, for sure. It's, but it's, it's also that encouragement. Like, what I love, I mean, <laughs> all we are and our school particularly are encouraging. Like the IKO are really good, the International Kiteboarding Organization. Um, I learned from them, I've done BKSA uh, instructing and IKO, and I've taken the, my favorite bits from both um, governing bodies, instructor courses, and they're always 80% encouragement, 20% correction. Hmm. And when you've got a grown adult <laughs> standing behind you going, yeah, like it's what else can you, what other part of life do we have yeah. that where we've just got someone like every, it's like like when you, when you take your first steps as a baby, no one's going, no, 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 no. You're doing it all wrong. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. It's one Not foot, like then the next <laughs> yeah. foot on. As, as you take your first steps as a, as a baby, everyone around you is going, yeah. And that's just like lessons, isn't it? We like it? to fully patronise our clients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's a pleasure for us because we know they've had no, to go through the process sure. yeah. to, to kind of get to that. Yeah. And it's exciting for the instructor. It's exciting for... The student, um, so yeah, it is really funny. It's yeah. not patronizing. No, I know. Oh, I, yeah. I know. Maybe it was just <laughs> I learned from your partner. <laughs> yes, well, that's a whole <laughs> podcast on itself. Don't do it. Get a lesson. Yeah. Don't teach Thank your you. partner. Like, oh. and I know that, and I'm an instructor, and I tried to teach Katie, and she says, "You but, did. You taught me very well." But what does this mean? So I'm like, Katie. Just do it, and it'll become clear. And, and you were like, "No, no, but I want you General to explain it in. in great detail." And I, but just do it, Katie, and then you'll understand yeah. it. No, I want more detail, Tom. Different learning. Style. It's a different learning style. So yeah. yes, and we do adapt to different learning styles. Um, so what's the lesson like? The only thing I would say is is uh, at the beginning of the lesson. We also spend a bit of time learning a bit about the wind. What direction is it coming from? We always have our back to the wind. It's pretty simple um, and we don't make it complicated. Really, we just want to, exactly what Katie said, get you out in the water mm. and learn practically. A lot of schools, I'm not criticising, but I don't like to spend lots of time doing um, theory on the beach when we can just get it practically. It's a picture paints a thousand words a demonstration is so much better than explaining it i call it the monkey do monkey see monkey, monkey, see, do. monkey do and mm. it's just like hey do this hey cool got it and also what i love love is we explain why we're you're learning each aspect because rather than just going hey just do this like why am i learning this it's like well it's really important mm. because you need to be able to launch your kite when you crash it crashing kites katie um how often do people crash kites What's that like? Oh, so at the beginning, 
yeah, you're going to crash the kite. Yeah, it's being, having that kind of expectation and not being too worried about it. You know, it will happen as long as you let go of the bar when it's crashing. It's no then it's big no big deal. deal. You know, it's just going to suck down bounces, the water it? and yeah. yeah, it's no biggie. And then later you will learn, once you've got the kite control, you can just fly it back to 12 o'clock to stop. You know, so stop being pulled. That's like the home or the brakes of the kite. The home of the kite. Yeah, so just a quick bit about the wind window. Super, we have the back to our the wind, and then we have this like semicircle. It's like a rainbow shape, and you've got 12 o'clock, which is above your head. That's like the no power zone. And then at the sides of you, it's no power. But right in front of you, that's the power zone, and that's where you can get pulled. And we need a bit of power mm -hmm. to get going. Um, and therefore, that's why the location's so good, because there's no danger. We get so far away that you're not going to get pulled towards. And you do get pulled towards, and you don't realise. One of my... When learners, they have no concept of right. space, do they? They're like, they get on the kite, and they're like, woohoo, this is awesome. And they've travelled, like, <laughs> half a mile. And yeah. you're like, stop! Or you're, like, on the jet ski, going, okay, back to 12, or let go. <laughs> it's really amazing. Which is another reason why we don't teach beginners in high tide as well because if the kite has crashed on the water you're just going to get dragged downwind a lot quicker yeah. without if your feet aren't you know digging into the sand so just to elaborate on that at turks and caicos um, we do have a high tide and a low tide so the high tide it's you can do a lesson at high tide but we don't and the reason we don't do it is because it's not a top quality lesson mm -hmm. If you're advanced, like you're up on a board, you're riding, yes, we yeah. can do it. We follow with a jet ski. Um, but if you're kind of three or four lessons in, it's always better to be able to like knee deep, knee deep to waist deep water. So a lot of people get confused about that. They come in, they get there, it's windy. They're like, hey, I want to go kiteboarding. Why can't I go kiteboarding? We have to explain a lot that it's just because the tide is high and it's not a, a, not a nice lesson. So um, we have lots of um, low tide slots, usually three lessons a day that we do, um, unless the tides are particularly difficult, meaning if there's a high tide in the middle of the day. But yeah, it just gives you a clue as to why um, tides are important. So, um, Katie, temperature of the water. Now we're not mm -hmm. like, I don't even know what the temperature of the water is, like in a figure. Um, but let's talk about temperature of the water because you've experienced now the coldest time of year as opposed to the mm. summer the hottest time of year like tell us about what what you've learned or what you've experienced mm. well i mean for me it's all relative right so for me now i'm i'm a little bit cold in the water in my shorty wetsuit uh, it's december now whereas as an instructor in, as an instructor yeah standing but riding absolutely fine i mean and you're going to warm up as soon as you get out anyway and in, in the sun uh, but I would recommend a, a wetsuit um, in this time of year. Yeah. And summer, and spring and summer, people are riding in bikinis or topless, you know, but we, we would recommend wearing a rash guard or some kind of sun protection anyway, but also just protects you um, from the harness rubbing as well. Uh, but temperature-wise, yeah, it's relative because some, for some people, they're, they think it's super warm right now. And don't need a wetsuit. They don't wear one at all. But yeah, talk about your students the other day. We're like they're from Boston. We're like none of they insisted. No um, wetsuits. We don't need mm. a wetsuit. We don't need a wetsuit. Kate was like, After you sure? Two hours. Yeah. It they were get pretty cold. cold, weren't they? They. Um, so it, it is. 
Like a lot of the schools here don't provide wetsuits. I think we're the only school we have shorty wetsuits that we provide. And a lot of people don't need it, but I think being warm is so important. It's not cold. Mm. Like you get in, sometimes you're like, oh my God, that's really cold. You warm up and it's you nicer, do warm up, but a it's nicer lesson if you're comfortable. so much nicer if you're warmer. Warm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the air temperature here, usually in winter, 24 um, in Celsius and Fahrenheit, I think it's about 70, 80, which is, which is pleasant. Um, but the water temperature can be, definitely feel a bit chilly, especially in the mornings when it hasn't um, warmed up yet. Um, I use a... Uh, two mil wetsuit, shorty wetsuit with long uh, short sleeves, but when it's really cold, I have a, um, a long sleeved one. And then also, if it's really cloudy, then I have a, a rain jacket I wear over the top, and that seems to have done me for years. But that's as an instructor, as a student, most of the time it's good for just a just a pair of board shorts. We always recommend a, a rash guard to just for sun protection. A hat um, is, is really good. Yeah. Sunglasses yeah. is a really good idea because your first lesson, you're looking up into the, the sky, generally right at the sun. Um, so therefore having sunglasses is really good. Now taking, I would, before you come here, I would buy a cheap set of sunglasses to use on the water. If you have prescription glasses or if you wanna use good sunglasses, and even if you buy cheap glasses, you've got to have a floaty. So get a floaty. The Chums one is the best one. You can buy cheap ones. Um, Katie, how many sunglasses have we lost between us uh, oh, over the years? With it's not good. It's not cool because you're we're polluting the ocean with sunglasses as well. So uh, invest. We're not sponsored or affiliated, but Chums do a really good um, floaty. Um, it grips your glasses really well and it floats really well. Um, but if you turn up and you don't have sunglasses, you don't have a hat, you don't have a rash guard, we will provide it all, but it is definitely better um, that uh, we've got wetsuits um, that we will provide, and we can, we do have some spares. some spare, um, floaties spare floaties. I have spare um, sunglasses um, for my students if they really don't have it. Um, so yes, Kate is shaking her head there. <laughs> but we do have some spares. It's better though to have um, uh, to have your own if you can. Um, so what else? What I was wanting to, to speak about also, why have a lesson with us, Katie? What do you think is the best? What, what makes us a bit different to everyone else? Personally, video coaching. So Katie and I both have some nice new iPhones and during the lesson, it depends on how the lesson goes, like some people need more help than others. Um, like we need to hold them, steady them while they get the kite, keep the board on. Um, but sometimes uh, we really can get the phone out and start to get a little bit of video. And that really helps you to, um, to see what you're doing. And also it's great to show people and show the world, hey, I got up on a board today. But also in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I thought I was doing that, I thought I had my legs bent, or I thought I had enough power. And actually when you see it in, uh, in uh, the video, it's like, oh, I wasn't rolling forwards, or oh, I, I wasn't pulling the bar in enough. Um, the other thing I think is really important, jet ski support. Um, it, we've got a brand new jet ski, it's super awesome, and it really is a game changer for using your time 
to learn kiteboarding and not to, to be walking backwards. Um, it just enables us to get away from the crowds. Um, also wetsuits as well. And I think instructors, like we all love what we do. Um, we're all super encouraging um, and really enjoy teaching. Um, and is there anything you would say, Katie, that people could do um, before their lesson that would help them to get a bit of, of progress? That would help mm. them to enjoy their lesson a bit more, or just get some more value out of the lesson. And some people have tried flying trainer kites yes. before the lessons, you know, on their own time, or they've watched some YouTube videos, things like that, which actually we're going to start producing, I think, coming up soon, um, just to help people heard it look out for those kind of common mistakes or, or just our tips for, you know, those first few lessons. Uh, but yeah, obviously, it, it it also is fine to be a complete blank slate. You know, it's fine if you've not done other board sports or other water sports. Just give it a go and often just trying it um, for the first time, you might be a complete natural. So Yeah, just yeah. just give it a go. You, you don't, don't need, need to do yeah. that. But if you do, if you're really into it and you really like you're coming to learn mm. to kite surf, watching a few YouTube yeah. videos is a great thing to do. And also understanding the wind a little bit is is never going to hurt. You know, if you look into that and just get an idea of direction and where you would you where you might launch or where's your power zone. Where would just, you get that information from? What would you recommend? Tom's book. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, learn kite surfing faster. Available yeah. at all good bookshops on <laughs> Amazon. Um, but no, watching oh, YouTube videos. Yeah, YouTube. And there's so many YouTube videos yeah. out there. I wouldn't say our favourite one, we're going to make our own um, because we've got some unique videos to make but our favorite one at the moment kite surf college yeah I which is really good he's clear mm. and simple um i think we can make some simpler and even clearer um but uh yeah we'll look forward to doing that but definitely a youtube video i think my biggest tip is to buy a cheap trainer kite you can buy them for 50 bucks um 50 pounds 50 euros off amazon make sure it's got a bar but even if it didn't have a bar just flying a small power kite will help. You will understand the wind window. You will understand, you'll calibrate how much you need to pull on one line to then get the kite to move. It just helps if you've got an awareness. And that's, kiteboarding is like 90% kite flying. So if you come into your lesson knowing how to fly a kite, then you will have a massive advantage um, and we will generally progress, be able to progress quicker. Um, what else? Anything else we can add to that? What could we do before the lesson? I think that's it. That's all I can. Mm, I think well, also I can you could come down. I mean, if you're staying in the area as well, you can always watch come down and watch. Yes. Yeah, watch people launching from the beach, watch yeah. them ride off. Good tip. And it just kind of helps just visually see where is the kite as well, and, and watching people walking with it. Yeah. Where is the position of the kite when they're walking backwards in the water, or where is it when they're riding and yeah, that all helps. Definitely. Um, so Turks and Caicos specifically, um, where to stay? Like a lot of people say, hey, where do I go? And we, we touched on this earlier. It, it is a premium location. And because of that, as we said, we've got loads of space. So it really is, um, uh, it's good that it's premium. However, you can navigate it. Now, if you've got, if you've got unlimited budget, oh my God. There is some incredible places to stay right at the um, the beachfront. 
Um, so a lot of people stay in the Shore Club, um, which is one of our favourites. Um, that's right at the site. A lot of other people stay at H2O, which is a really good um, kiteboarding place that's right on the front. Um, a lot of people stay at Beach Enclave. Um, that's uh, a bit more higher end, but it's just super amazing to stay right at the spot. Um, but then after you've kind of done those those places, if they're not in your budget, then Airbnb. Renting a car here is uh, is pretty good in comparison to everything else. Um, so renting a car, you can rent one cheaply and then you can stay a little bit further out of town. I wouldn't recommend you stay anywhere other than the east side of the island. Um, that's kind of like, uh, if you go to the west side of the island, there's not a lot there, the airport is there. Um, you're quite a long way away from everything. Um, well, you're half an hour away, as opposed to like <laughs> 15 minutes away. You've got Easter Island life. I have yeah. got Easter Island life. But yeah, there's loads of Airbnbs, but you're still looking at least, at least 100, $150 uh, a night for something that's uh, that's you know kind of average, um, so it's good to to come with a group, and then you can share the costs and stay somewhere that had like two bedroom place. Um, but yeah, definitely Airbnb if you're on a budget. Um, food is really expensive here, so it's definitely a uh, quite an experience, Katie, isn't it? When you first arrive and you have to be very How careful. How much for an avocado? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's three dollars fifty for an avocado. <laughs> Um, and some branded stuff is like ridiculous. You kind of look at it and go, okay, I'm not going to have that. But if you think about it, it's had to travel on several boats just to get here. Like Turks and Caicos has no, um, it's lots of shallow water. So it's had to get food has, is not grown here. Um, but anyway, it's a whole other, uh, just prepare for some eye-watering <laughs> food bills. There are places that you can eat out that aren't, you know, that are normal kind of prices, like 20 bucks per person, Turks Kebab, um, King Cow, Buns Burgers, those kind of places are really, really good. Um, and, you know, quick food, not crazy prices, but cooking at home is, is definitely good. Favourite places to stay, if you can stay in Long Bay, Long Bay Hills, Leewood, um, Grace Bay is a bit more touristy but still good, you can definitely get some deals there, but you will definitely need a car. Taxis are really expensive. There is zero cheap taxi places here. You're not gonna get anywhere really for less than $30 for a taxi. There are illegal taxis, which are called jitneys, so you can stand at a roadside and someone eventually will pick you up and take you pretty much anywhere for five to $10, but they're unreliable and they'll be full of other people, so you wouldn't wanna put your kite gear with you. Um, so yeah, and also, what if there's no wind? Like, let's say you were unlucky and you did have a few days of no wind. Um, personally, I'm really uh, ecstatic that it's a great island if there's no wind. Katie, what, what do you enjoy doing on your no wind days? Snorkeling. Yeah, where would <laughs> we you... We do love a snorkel, yeah. I think uh, Coral Gardens over on Grace Bay or Smith's Reef are really beautiful places just to easily access and just go with your own fins and mask and just get in the water and you can see all sorts of beautiful things like turtles um some reef sharks as well which i was really scared of seeing before i came here and now it's just completely normal and they 
ignore us humans and gracefully glide by. So that's nice. Talking of, of fish. sharks, what do you know about sharks, Katie? What do you think about sharks? Are you scared of sharks here? Like, as in, is it a concern? So I thought it was. I thought any kind of tickle on my foot meant I was going to get eaten alive. But I think now Big Blue Collective have briefed me and all the staff here that are so familiar, you know, with diving and, and snorkeling have really put my mind at rest because it's just, they're just uninterested in us. These well, The sharks that are here anyway, you've got the reef sharks, you've got lemon sharks, nurse, um, sharks. nurse sharks as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I it, I don't, it's more of a fascination now because they're not coming right up close, they're just minding their own business so far. Yeah. yeah. So there has been a couple of attacks over the years in um, Turks and Caicos, I think in the last 30 years, but it's always, it's it's been really, really rare. Um, I think- like tiger sharks though. Yeah, they have had the odd tiger shark here, um, but it's always been on the North Shore. The South Shore's very, very shallow. There's very little food, if any, for sharks. Um, the attacks, I believe, have been on spear fishermen. So my point is, Sharks are not a concern here. Um, I've never seen any in Long Bay where we're teaching. Like, yeah, yeah, I've seen the occasional um, nurse shark, but it's a nurse mm. shark. They're like they're they're bottom feeders. They eat mm. conch. You know, they don't eat um, they don't eat uh, humans. They've say, got a really small mouth. It's um, coming, yeah. so yeah, and there's no food for them there. So right. I mean, I've taught in Cape Town, and there's sharks there, and even there, I wasn't concerned about sharks because of the volume of people. But <laughs> what less risk? Less, being less people, like less chance of being eaten. But it's not a place that's that's a sharky place. There's plenty yeah. of places around the world that is definitely a concern, and here it is not a concern. It's not something that we have to worry about when we're snorkeling, when we're kiting. Um, so you, you do not have to panic about um, about sharks here. Um, what else? Like my personal thing, yeah, snorkeling is amazing. Ooh. Smith's Reef Coral Gardens. Stand up paddleboarding in the mangrove. Yeah, so Big Blue, thing. really good. They've got their base right next to Mangrove Key. And then what you can do is rent a kayak or go on one of their trips. And it's better to go with a guide the first time because the guides know so much about the ecosystems. Um, we're all trained to know about it, as uh, all of us, we work teaching kiteboarding and we work as eco-guides. But definitely, if there's no wind, like get on a kayak, get on a, on a paddle, a stand-up paddle, and there's literally dozens, if not hundreds of turtles in, uh, in the mangroves um, for you to see in crystal clear shallow water. It's really beautiful. There's baby sharks there. We've got baby lemon sharks, baby um, nurse sharks. And then on top of that, there's some stingrays, um, eagle rays. And again, the stingrays is not something that we're worried about here. It's not, um, it's not a, a danger. Obviously, you don't want to go and get in the way of them. But um, it's not like that. Uh, that I, I don't know anyone who's been attacked or had any problems with them ever. Um, so it's just beautiful. It really, really is beautiful. Um, also, getting a boat. So we do have the whales, which is really cool. And we've also got some dolphins. Um, Katie, you've had quite a magical few dolphin experiences, mm, haven't you? That's incredible. Yeah, never before until I came to this island have I actually been in the water with dolphins in such a close proximity. And they're, yeah, they're beautiful and so curious and inquisitive. So it's, it's a really nice nice thing to yeah to just experience 
Cool. Yeah, and that's also through um, Big Blue. So Big Blue, you can go on a public trip. My favourite one is Edge of the Banks, which is super cool. There's a Katie told me off for that earlier, not having the phone on silent, but that is a client that's the work phone, just wanting to book a lesson. Um, so yeah, the Edge of the Banks is the best one, which is it takes you right out over to the edge of the banks, which drop down to I believe it's uh, seven thousand feet. And then you see some really cool stuff from um, bigger nurse sharks to like dolphins, whales, all sorts. Or oh, you can do a private charter um, as well, which is really good. Then you can actually like get away from it all and go to West Caicos or like some other of the cool islands. Um, going to North Caicos and Middle Caicos is really cool. It's one of my favorite things to do. Get on a ferry. Um, you can't drive there. Uh, you rent a car on the other islands and then see what... Provo was like, which is the main island, um, or the most um, touristy island, um, what it was like 20, 30 years ago. So that's super amazing. So yeah, so to summarize, I think it is the best place I know on earth to come to learn kiteboarding. Um, it really is a super high quality lesson. Um, it's beautiful as well. Progress. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Katom's Kiteboarding Tips. No longer. Hey. hey, no longer Tom's Kiteboarding Aww. Tips. Obviously, there is a new addition to the to the Tom's Kiteboarding Tips team, which is Katie, because after the last year, Katie has gone through quite an adventure, and she is now uh, teaching officially, done her British Kite Surfing Association, sorry, British Kite Sports, um, association um, instructor course and is now a full-time instructor for Big Blue, our sponsors. If it wasn't for Big Blue, we wouldn't be here. So thank you, Big Blue. Um, and yeah, today we just want to have a chat about the beginner's kiteboarding experience. Like what's it like or some really good tips just to help people who are thinking about coming to TCI. Or if you're already coming to TCI, we just want to drop some really good tips and give you some really useful info that will really help you have a better experience and also make the decision if you want to come. Spoiler alert, it would be crazy for you not to come. Everyone should come to Turks and Caicos. But enough about that one second. We've just got to talk about the elephant in the room, which is um, that it's Katom's kiteboarding tips because Katie is now on the crew, which is...